Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and today we have an episode where we will be sitting down and chatting with the new Mox Bold champion, Sick Robot. Reed is a fantastic CEDH player. He is a fantastic human, and he had a great season uh, in the MLC this year. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear our conversation. It's always a pleasure to get to chat with him, honestly, about anything. But uh, this was a really fun conversation that the two of us got to have. Before we dive into that conversation, I do want to take a moment Thank all of our patrons for the support you have given, uh, especially over the last three months, three or four months of the dealing with the MLC. Uh, your support goes towards continuing this show, making this possible, but also enabling us to be able to do more stuff like the MLC. One of the patron perks is access to our Discord server where we brew, share memes, discuss spoilers i don't know we we talk about sports it's really honestly a pretty good time so uh if you want to join our sculpty family head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors and you can find out more information there (laughs) it's time to check in on our apple podcast ratings in this week we have one new rating this rating comes from Smiley Face 888. Uh, it's titled Amazing Five Stars. This podcast is great. How you guys manage to have five stars doesn't surprise me. Happy to learn from this podcast as I am new. It helps me get the advantage at my playgroup. Glad we can help you out. Always remember, though, with your playgroup, to be having those pregame discussions to make sure everybody's on the same page as to what you are playing and, uh, you know, make sure everybody's okay with playing CEDA. But even then, a lot of the stuff we talk about here is pretty important to just being good at playing EDH in general, in my opinion. Uh, But thank you so much for that rating. And a reminder to everybody, if you leave a rating on Apple Podcasts for us, we will make sure to read that out on each new episode so thank you so much for that rating with that we are going to head over into my conversation with reed starting off with our lovely dear sculpty boy segment enjoy Uh, be brutally honest. What is your opinion on dedicated reactive decks that don't run many stacks effects, i.e. Rashmi, Curious Control? And that is from Charles is really hot in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a name. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so obviously we are aware of your opinion on like some of my like art and Chrome decks and stuff like that. But, you know, like. What are what are your thoughts on like those like dedicated control lists? I want to I want to distinguish some things here. So <laughs> the, the issues that I have with Arden Crom are not because of the way that it chooses to deploy its rea- its suite of interaction <laughs> and how it chooses its interactive its interaction suite. The issues that I have with Arden Crom are issues of the colors themselves and WinCon accessibility. Um, yeah. I realistically my my answer to this is always like. You can I I really don't have an issue with people like experimenting with whatever so long as you can actually win the game and you can actually like mm-hmm. find the way to win the game consistently when you need to find it because like there are if you're if you're playing a strategy where you can successfully lock the board and then you need six turns to find your win and you're just giving people draw steps to find the out to it or like you can't quite establish the hard lock and then you, they just get out of it. Right. Um, I, I don't think that's. I don't I, I think there are some pretty core issues with that strategy, but just playing like hard control. Yeah, I, I think as long as you have like decent win cons and you can find them relatively easily and you can actually cast them. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have I don't have an issue with those at all. I think there's a place in the meta for them, especially when you have hard tech. I mean, like obviously curious control works really well when your meta is all Timnas and the Gilas because you can just play 
pyroclasms and none of your stuff <laughs> cares about pyroclasms and then you just grind them into the ground and then you basically winning is a formality at that point but you do have <laughs> you still have access to like thoracle consult so you're just good to go um but yeah like i think i think those decks are more than fine in a lot of situations the issue with hard control decks is you just have to find the metas that they're good in and you have to yeah. really really do tuning to them like you can't just take the stock list for the control list in the same way that you can take stock lists for like even mid-range lists or like um fast decks or like even a lot of like turbo real law lists you can sort of just like sort of run with the stock list and do fine in a lot of metas control mm-hmm. is really like one of the archetypes that requires the most tuning to whatever meta you're wanting to play it in i like controls one of those archetypes that i think is so player dependent because like it yeah i, I feel like your 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 room for error in a control deck is like so much smaller than your room for error in a deck like i don't know cody or rog silas or blue farm yeah, or any of those decks right you know i think i think the margins of error aren't actually even like i i don't i i i, I think like sorry I, th- I think the margin of error is a good way to look at it i think the way that i prefer to look at it is that um none of the decisions are necessarily higher stakes than they are in decks like cody or rock Silas or stuff like that it's just that there are more of them over the course of the game by necessity because you're just looking to play a longer game Mm-hmm. And it's 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 also harder to correct those mistakes in hindsight versus playing a turbo deck or a deck that has right. very immediate consequences for bad decisions. Um, mm-hmm. If you make a bad decision, even in Mulligan, so like at the earliest point that you can make a bad decision in like playing something like Rog Silas, if you make a mistake in Mulligans, it becomes apparent within the first three turns of the game. You you're like, oh. Yeah, I'm screwed. I I don't get to play the game anymore because I right. fucked up in mulligans and it, like I put the wrong card on the bottom. I was looking for the wrong card, whatever. Um, like game ends on the spot. Maybe you keep playing the game for like another seven turns or whatever, but like you're you're never actually going to do the thing that the deck is built to do. Control decks, it's it's they're. I I think they're yeah they're difficult to pilot, but it's not like orders and orders of magnitude more difficult to pilot than a lot of just like just standard cdh lists the Mm -hmm. issue is that when you make a mistake on a control list the ramifications of that mistake happen five turns down the line yeah and now you're just like okay so i i fetched incorrectly five turns ago and now i don't have the blue mana to cast this double blue counter spell because i thought that i would need the mana to hold up both a tainted pact and a pyroblast so i fetched a bad lands instead of an underground sea and then in the moment, you're not thinking about that. You're like, oh, fuck, I got mana screwed because my mana base sucks. God damn it. All right. Well, next game. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's, in control. It's just it's it's harder to get better at control because you need to like you really need to sit down and analyze play errors and you need to know what you're looking for when you're analyzing play errors, which is like yeah. not an easy thing to do. Right. Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree. With that. That's that's one of the reasons why I'm always just like. Hi, I love Lavinia. Please don't play this deck. Uh, <laughs> you will. The, yeah, you will be miserable. I, I, I trust a, me. <laughs> I have a similar thing with Yorian um, where I I love Yorian and I love the fact that it makes a lot of the people that I play it versus miserable. But I like I never <laughs> I would never I would never recommend anybody to actually play that list because it's the the decision trees are so insanely large for the like the most minute benefit that you get out of it because like yeah. you're you like you're you're making all these incredibly hard decisions and you're doing them like you're making hard decisions every end step for like three turn cycles like literally every end everybody's end step for the like three turn cycles and then you just you, there was never even a way that you were going to win that game <laughs> did uh bring you on because yesterday uh well obviously you're you're a member of the mind sculptors obviously oh yeah it's just, um, why would i not be on the podcast go on yeah it's just you haven't been in a long ass time i ever uh, i'm not sure i've ever been on the podcast i think i've done gameplay recordings for the mind sculptors that's, <laughs> that's true i don't know yeah. it's oh yeah you didn't even do anything for the uh for the award show that ended up being Morgan who did that. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, well, 
Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. you. Know, <laughs> <Love> the arm. <laughs> uh, but you're our uh, MLC champion. You won the Mox Bowl yesterday. Congratulations. Mox Bowl 2 champ. Lock it in. It's it's wild to me that we have done two of these things now. Like, yeah, right. It's just and, you've like, gotten, and you've gotten all the way through two of them. It wasn't even yeah. like got through one, started the second, and just had it not happen. Yeah, got through it, two. It, it is absurd. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, last season was um, probably not to speak for you, but I feel like you would definitely say it was a disappointment. I believe you missed uh, the playoffs by a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, I think a lot of it was just that I wasn't. I mean, as we were talking about a pre-show. This is like this. This isn't going to sound like a thing <laughs> at all, but I, I wasn't taking it as seriously last year, which is like an insane contrast to what I was just telling you. And yeah, pre-show for this season. But um, I, I think I'm actually mostly I, I'm pretty sure last year it actually mostly came down to my draft. Like I felt like the draft was relatively good but i it was probably one one dimensional in a way that my draft this year wasn't yeah um, like i think last year i was just like picking good decks and decks that i had comfort on but wasn't really taking into consideration like actual matchup spreads or anything or um yeah. even like building the decks in a way that i thought was actually going to be good in the meta and this well, you year also had like some in. restrictions on how you could build those decks too uh yeah year. but like even i i, th- I think i made like in like comparable numbers of swaps to the decks last year and this year like i don't think any of the decks that i changed had like over 10 cards changed mm-hmm. i think not even five except for maybe cbt where i did some alterations just to make it more mid-rangey yeah yeah well it is uh so before we get into your uh victory yesterday which was an insane game we had that was yeah. two <laughs> Really long games, Dude, yeah, just and like hour and a half slugfests and untimed. No both chance of them of going went to, time to went uh, <laughs> to turn eleven. Yep, uh, which is insane in a game of EDH, um, specifically CDH, right? And so, uh, and then we get to to your game, and it's a turn three, uh, which was quite the contrast but before we even get anywhere near that we were just talking about the draft yeah so uh looking at your draft you were drafting right behind morgan yep uh at the 23rd spot and so you had or excuse me you had the 21st pick uh in the draft each round and so in the first round you picked uh cst second round Mm -hmm. you picked blue pod third uh round you picked kodama clones Yep. In the fourth round, you picked uh, Adaptive Sisse, and then you ended up dropping Kodama clones for Rakdos Doomsday yeah. um, off of the free agent wire. But when you were in the draft, like going into draft night, what was it? Because I, I assume you and Morgan were like definitely like game planning heading in. But like, what were your thoughts heading into? Um. So interestingly enough, actually, me and Morgan didn't actually even really do that much talking in terms of um, like strategizing what picks we wanted. I think the basically the extent of us talking about that stuff was like, well, we both sort of want Hermadrid slash it's like some form of Thrasios Timna in the draft. And then the rest of it was sort of free form. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, like the the concepts that I went in with were like, OK, I want I want decks to cover different matchups. Like I, I going in, I was like, OK, I need a mid range deck. I need a deck that I can play into hard stacks. I need a deck that I can uh, take advantage of early table position with. And then I like there's some other deck that can act as filler. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the fourth pick is just the fourth pick. You get what you, you get. Right. You get whatever the best deck left over is that you just run that. Right. For a bit. Um, so, yeah, the uh, draft ended up uh, it, it was it was a bit weird because Kanaba Silas wasn't um, it ended up like. I thought Thrast Timna was going to be my relatively fast deck that I could play in early table position um, mm-hmm. and get advantage from there. And then after the draft, I basically just realized like, 
Oh, right. Never mind. I'm going to have to play Thrust Timna in all of my conference games because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just all mid range. It's just mid range hell in this pod. And I can't afford to take any other deck into it aside from like maybe exactly Sissa. Like there's no there's no chance in hell I'm playing blue pod into a mid range thing, right. into like a mid range pod. And I'm not playing Grenzo into that pod either. Like neither of those are going to do any amount of work like or like they're both going to be underutilized compared to their potential in a right in a bunch of matchups. So I. I ended up swapping out the Kadama because I also like it's it Kadama Sil- or uh Sakadama Sakadama? Yeah, Sakadama. Yeah. Um and unfortunately just ended up filling basically the same role that Blue Pod did. Uh in terms mm-hmm. of Blue Pod wins through hard stacks outboard states pretty easily. Um you just like one one card being able to assemble combos, uh, especially Kiki and like people again, I we saw this in a couple of games, but when people have bounce spells, um have fun playing bounce spells against the Kiki Jiki combo deck where it's just like, okay, I'm going to cast it next turn. I'm going to cast the thing next turn. You get to bounce yeah. it again. I'll, I'll cast it next turn until you don't have bounce spells anymore. And then you die. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I felt like I needed a faster deck, which is why I picked up Grenzo, uh, in the trade after the draft. But yeah, I mean, going in, um, realistically, all it was that, uh, we both wanted dressed him to Hermit Druid as first pick. Morgan was picking one, one pick before me. So we right. got it. Uh, so I took CST instead because they're effectively the same deck. It was just like some mid-range form of Thrast Timna with good win cons. Um, right. And then uh, obviously Blue Pod. Um, Morgan <laughs> Morgan actually gave me a pity pick there. He was like, okay, I'm either taking the Blue Pod or I'm taking Thrast Vile Hermit Druid. I don't really <laughs> care which. Which one do you want? I was like, Blue Pod, please. And it was like, all right, fine. <laughs> I'll take the other one. <laughs> so... Thanks to Morgan for that one. Blue Pod did me well. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, I, and then I stole Captain Sisse from Ian because Ian wanted Sisse. Um, yeah. And I was like, nope, nope, that that one's that one's coming to me because I think I think that one actually was underpicked um, pretty substantially. Um, mm-hmm. I think even like, honestly, personally, I, th- I think Captain Sisse could fit in um, like last half of third round in terms of pick priority, just because I think. Like, it plays pretty well into this meta. Yeah, it's like specifically specifically into the MLC meta where you can be guaranteed that like at least like half to two thirds, even like three quarters of the field that you're going to see in regular gameplay is going to be like two colored jank files. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sissy just does incredibly well into those decks. Um, if they're not trying to, if they're not like Rakdos stuff, they're trying to kill you on turn two. Um, and you have like the two, three color mid range stuff. So this actually does like unreasonably well into unless they have specifically an op agent in play. Um, you just like get to keep picking up uh, like stack pieces that shut down the things that you're missing. And then once that happens, you're just like, OK, every time I'm going to pick up a monster. Can you deal with the monster? No. Great. You, you died to an Elshnorn. <laughs> Did you deal with the Elshnorn? OK. Can you deal with the Yasharn plus Linvala? And then right. I drew a living plane. Can you deal with Linvala living plane? And then like you just <laughs> yeah, you just like keep doing this stuff. And then. Some games you're also just like, okay, I'm just going to tutor for Vivian and then a shy kill you and then yeah. the table dies. So like it's it's just it's it's really good into those games where nobody plays enough removal because nobody ever plays enough removal. The only interaction is like stacks pieces and counter magic. And then you're just like, okay, I'm just going to pick up the most expensive card in my deck every turn and cast it. And that's how I'm going to break parity on your rule flaw. Right. You didn't do uh, terribly bad on it. You won the believe the played it. I once I think and then you have uh, like once or twice or I, I, I think I you were like in, one in one on it I, I played it once and then had to play it again for yeah. the um I think in the last game of the season and the regular right. season yeah um but yeah that first game was great I <laughs> finaled for like x equals 14 and just murdered the table with combat damage because there was an op agent in play and I was just like well <laughs> if you go to stop me from activating this I'll just turn it sideways the other way and kill you instead <laughs> fun thing about finale it can pull out of the graveyard yeah especially uh, when you're when your commander tutors for guys cradle before the op agent comes down and then you're just yeah. like yep we're yep we're doing this this is the game let's plan. go that's great so uh you you kind of touched on this a little bit uh, earlier, but, you know, uh, specific things throughout the season kind of was a blur. You've had a very busy, honestly, like three months, week, like three months. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's honestly been a busy year in general. Um, oh, yeah. That's just everything CDH going stuff. On. Like it's just also life is hugely time draining. Right. So you just. Right. Yeah. Uh, but. 
take me through uh, some of the season there for you. Uh, you know, you went four, five, and one. You won the division. Yep. Um, were you? Tr- what was your goal as far as making playoffs? With that, uh, was concerned. Uh, as in, from like through the entire season at the end, like before. Like, where, into which it. angle were you trying to come at it from? Were you just trying? Were was it a? I want to try and get the buy. Uh, you know, if I just make it, that's fine. I think I can win through it. Or oh yeah, um, I mean, honestly, the the goal was just win all the games that I play in, um, <laughs> and then any game that you don't win is just like, oh well, we'll get them next time. Yeah, we'll win the next one instead. Um, and it, like I don't know when it, when I play. A lot of the time when I play in tournaments or play in events like this, the uh, the mindset isn't like I'm going to try to win this tournament. It's just like, well, we're just going to win this game. And then if that doesn't work, we're going to win the next one. And if I can't win this game, then we're going to draw it. And if I get the draw, then, OK, what do, what do I need next round to win? Great. We'll go for a win. Right. Um, just like play for whatever you need to keep getting the good score line. Um, and then like last round, maybe go for an ID or something if like that's like safe enough. And I just want to make it like lock top 16 or something. But right. Yeah, I mean, for for the season, it was it was mostly just I'm just going to win all the games that I can draw any games that I can't win um, and then take the losses in stride and just hope to make it out. Yeah. And you did really well in your conference play, too, with a like three, four and one record. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as the conference goes, I, I know you, you brought this up in the interview uh, yesterday. But mm-hmm. one of your favorite moments was uh, with Sage, who ended up finishing right behind you in the yeah. conference. Yeah. Um, and just just explain that a little bit, because this is oh, kind yeah. of a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was specifically requested to be on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. So I I knew that I was going first for one of the games in the season, uh, which means that I'm playing the fast deck that I drafted because that there's I drafted the fast decks for what I'm going first to try to cheese the table. Um, so where you got some Grenzo in, um, and the hand that I saw was, which is usually good enough, especially in a pod. I, I, I forget what the entirety of the pod was, but it was something like it was me first on Grenzo Sage second on Valky. Um, and then there were like not super interactive tables at the other two seats. Um, Mm -hmm. so I saw an opening hand of turn one doomsday pass into turn two Grenzo win with a drawing of deflecting spot (laughs) off the top because, doomsday and i was just like yeah i mean if nobody has the counter for the turn one doomsday then i'm drawing the interactive piece off the top then i'm just murdering the table so we're just gonna do this yeah fine yeah Um, so i did that and then sage happened on turn one on (laughs) their turn to have a (laughs) turn one produce seven mana cast valky uptick (laughs) or cast tybalt uptick to munch the top of my library which was just yeah like just the absolute perfect punish for like the like it's 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 like cosmic punishment for doing to for doing doomsday pass it's like how can i how can i punish you in the most specific way for taking the doomsday pass play pattern that people have been telling you and you've been preaching is bad for the past five years Oh man, and, and it's funny because that's like kind of what Sage is known for is they are really good at just getting like absurd starts. Oh yeah, um, I mean, the, like, it was it was it was always an option in my mind that it's like yeah, this could th- this has the potential to go wrong, but like you just got to bet <laughs> against the turn one seven mana, and then it just happened. And I was like, yeah, all right, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's that's about how it goes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So when we. You 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 ended up making it to the playoffs. Um, yep. Uh, you won the coalition north, which was a slog. Um, oh yeah, like like orders of like just the the most stacked division in the history of the MLC by like just multiple levels. Like just yeah, so not okay in terms of even even once players. Pongo left, we replaced Pongo with Squirrel Mob. Yeah, with Squirrel. And- who still had Pongo's draft and is also a good player. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Uh, James, if you're listening, you yeah, are James a good player. Super self-deprecating. Yeah, like you are. <laughs> Just, I think I think the only reason he says that is because like he doesn't have actual perfect play and he just like doesn't enter events. And it's like you don't. First of all, you don't have to enter events to be a good player. And also yeah. like everybody punts like it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So it ended up being two people from your division made the play, made the playoffs in the uh, coalition. Yeah. Um, 
So yesterday we go into the playoffs, the coalition. What what was your thoughts when you saw the decks that were selected to get played in that uh, championship game for uh, the coalition? Yeah, so I saw Fukin's. Obviously, Fukin's went first. It was locked in because he ended up having, I think, better seating than me. Um, well, even into- even before that, when you just saw what the the conference playing game selections were. Oh, um, so actually, I'll. I, I'm going to talk about Fukin's first because that actually okay. informs what I thought about the, the playing games uh, metas. Yeah. So I saw Fukin's pick uh, Rakdos Rog, or yeah. sorry, not sorry, um, uh, Jund Rog, uh, yep. which is fast deck. Fast deck wants to go fast. It wants to cast Adnaz on turn one, and if it can't cast Adnaz on turn one, it wants to cast Adnaz on turn two. And if it can't do either of those things, it wants to like uh, like welder bolts the citadel into play or something like that. It wants to kill you. It wants to kill you real fast. Uh, <laughs> and my my thought process is basically, wow, this sucks, because if we get like two other non-interactive decks or even one other non-interactive deck, there's just a very real chance that we die on like turn two. And I, I'm not going to have much to say about it. Um, or yeah. like if I do mulligan to the interaction that I'm just like dying in the mid range game to whatever is in C3. Um, right. So I was I was like really, really, really hoping that we weren't finding another turbo deck in right. the play in games. Um, and that was it was certainly a possibility that there was going to be a turbo deck in there um and i was also so it was i think uh i, I don't remember the the full pod compositions of those games uh let me i'm gonna check real quick i can pull them uh, up here uh i should have brought pulled those up right away but in the yeah probably in the coalition okay, right. so it was yeah so it was um uh, Sage four color so Omnath Breach, uh, Abzan Farm, Hermit Pod, and Saltai Midrange. So in in that pod, I was basically I was I was pulling for Squirrel. Sorry, Squirrel, love you, buddy. Um, wasn't pulling him for him because it was Squirrel. I was pulling for him because it was the <laughs> it was the only deck that I saw there that I actually wanted in the pod for my finals game because <laughs> both Abzan Farm and Hermit Pod are like. Hermitpod, like, ha- it's an oof deck. It can aggressively tutor the oof. It's not going to interact with the turn two Nas unless it has a turn one oof, especially mm-hmm. not a turn two Nas in the play. So I was like, okay, the, f- the Omnath Breach deck, it plays blue. It's not trying to interact. It's trying to kill you. Um, Abzan Farm, zero interaction, just trying to kill you. Uh, four color Hermitpod, the interaction is not fast enough to stop us from dying to a turn two Nas. Um, so Squirrel was like literally the- playing the only deck in that pod where I was like, okay, yes, this deck. Both has the interaction to stop a turn two Nas and has the incentive to actually mulligan to that interaction because it has a mid range game. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I just really want that one to win because otherwise my life is going to get a lot harder and I'm actually going to have to like find the mind break trap in like two top sevens or something. Right. Um, and on the other side, uh, sort of similar stuff, although, um, so Sakira on Demir Control would have been very happy to see that in the finals and we did. So I was like, yes. More control decks, yes. I just don't want the Nas <laughs> deck to beat me on turn two. Um, Deco playing Mardu Farm, obviously, again, a deck that I really didn't want to see. Um, right. Five color tempo would have been totally acceptable as well. Najila, again, has the same types of incentives for mid range game because you can sort of just stick your commander, and then once you've stuck your commander, you can just hold up interaction forever. Right. And even then, like it, it incentivizes you to mulligan to force of will as long as you also have like a crypt and a land in your hand. Um, so that kind of stuff. And then Rector Fit, um, which w- would have been fine for me, um, although it gets it gets it's still lower on the interaction scale. Than yeah, the other it's, ones. it's 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 the issue is that it's that deck has a lot of incentives to uh, try to offload the interaction onto me yep. and the other blue deck in the pod, um, much like I did in the finals. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so doing what the, you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I actually just didn't want like another mid range ish thrust him to list, especially not one with less interaction than I had, because then their incentives to be greedy and, and like offload the interaction to the rest of the table are even stronger than my incentives to do so, which means that I'm probably going to end up in the losing position mm-hmm. um, if we don't. Like, even if I have to interact with the Nas, I'm in a losing position. If I don't interact with the Nas, I just lose the game. So I'm in a losing position. So there's not like it's it's the 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 number of games where I actually win get a lot narrower. Um, right. So, yeah, effectively, the exact optimal thing happened in terms of yeah, I was my, gonna say. like what I wanted to to have happen in terms of wins from those pods, because I got <laughs> two two very interactive blue decks that I could offload all the interacting onto. <laughs> yeah, I it, it, I was going to say I was like the stars aligned exactly yeah, perfectly. <laughs> so we we head into that. Uh, those games go 
incredibly long squirrel ends up winning on the stack with a lab maniac, which yep. was that, that one, was, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. That one, that one was hilarious to me because I know for a fact that both Kai and, and Killstars had played in Flash Meadow. But yeah. it was it was such a demonstration to me that everybody's in that uh, every, everybody in that pod had atrophied their playing against Flash skills. <laughs> because <laughs> because that that exact I've 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 done that exact win to so many tables in terms of just like yeah I have a lab mana play don't worry about it and then you just consult activate Thrasios and instant speed to kill somebody on top of something and like it just it was so funny for me to watch because it was just like yeah I, I, like everybody here forgot how to play against Flash in that moment <laughs> yeah I remember watching that and I I was like sitting there watching the game and uh he plays the lab maniac and I texted Phoenix and I was just like, James literally just put a loaded gun on the table and was like, yeah, I mean, especially right. under, especially under rule of law. Right. Cause you, yeah. it's now like, yeah, everybody cast their spells and you're like, yeah, cool. win," which is exactly <laughs> what happened. Well, that's like in the post game of uh, the Monarch broadcast of it, which by the way, a uh, big shout out to Marcus, Mike, Nick, you guys did an incredible job. All the, all the people over there. Um, but they were talking about uh, what the MVP of that game was. And I'm like, it was the nurtured or the, the nurturing Peatland. Like that was the MVP. Uh, That's what won him the game. Well, y- yes, <laughs> sort of. Well, he, he did have a Thrasios activation, right? He did. Uh, he didn't have mana for it. I don't believe yeah, he, he had he like had- six mana. Yeah, yeah, he? he had. Okay. Yeah, that, that's why. That's why I was so safe is because he had the mana to both activate the peatland and activate Thrasios. Okay. Okay. So, like removal theoretically wouldn't have worked in response to the, con- in, like not in response to the consult. So you're just like super safe there because if they Odawara in response to the consult, you're like fine. Name Seedborn Muse, and then if they right. don't, you're just like yeah, kill you anyway. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was a, yeah, it was a game. <laughs> Cicada is one of those players, and this is it, this is something that I've uh, noted is now over two seasons with Nimrus. Nimrus feels like a deck that nobody pays attention to. It's kind of like Kells in that respect. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird and, one because, but he's like five, two, and one on that yeah. deck over two seasons. <laughs> it's the if if people if people allow the game to get into a place where Nimrus is good, it's very hard to unget it into that place <laughs> <laughs> because you, like you suddenly find yourself in a position where it's like, oh, I can't win the game next turn. And also Nimrus has a five like has five mana open so they can just sort of like put in Nimrus if I don't threaten anything. And then suddenly this game gets a lot harder to play. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's like, you know. One of the things that was wild is once he landed breaching Hippocamp in that uh, conference yeah. championship game, it was just like all of his spells were just like he they you weren't losing any card advantage off of them. Yeah, yeah. Curious controls goaded, even when it's in two colors. <laughs> uh, so w- let's let's now look at the Mox Bowl itself. Sure. Like you said, uh, you knew going in, Fukens was going to try and go Burr. Uh, which and he did <laughs> and he did uh so the opening hand uh i know you had to for those who didn't watch the game uh Fukens had a turn one 
uh, Wheel of Fortune hand. <laughs> not not uh, just a turn one Wheel of Fortune. It turn one Land Rog Mox Amber Mana Crypt Jeweled Lotus Wheel of Fortune, which yeah. is just like, yeah, we're yeah, we're dying. We're dead. Yeah. Yeah. What was going through your head? Because so first of all, when you mulliganed, what was it that you? What was your? Because you took a second seven, right? No, I took a six. Okay. What was your? The six was not good. (laughs) (laughs) I saw my my first two sevens were both like uh, three landers with no dork, and the first play was going to be on turn two. And I was just like, yeah, this this sucks. I'm I'm not keeping either of these. I like <laughs> I need to and if I'm not like I'm not trying to explosively win the game. Like that's not my my theoretical the theoretical thing that I want in Mulligans isn't to explosively win the game, it's to explosively get out like a bloom tender and an Esper Sentinel on turn one and then just ride those to a win. Right. Um, so I saw like two hands that just were the complete opposite of explosive. And I was like, Yeah, we're not doing these. We're we're gonna <laughs> go to five if required here. Um and then I saw the six. Which was like, it was not good, but it was like good enough that I was like, there are there are a lot of games where this turns out fine uh, and we'll just have to jam it. So it was I think it was um, two lands, which were uh, I think it was a morphic pool and a watery grave mm-hmm. and then Imperial Seal, Notion Thief and something else. I forget what the oh, wasn't it things. Aetherflux yeah, Reservoir. Else. No, no, I, there's no reservoir in that oh. deck. Um, who, who was playing Fug- reservoir? Fug- was Fug- that Fugans had the okay. reservoir. Um, okay. It was like, yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, I it, remember it was what bad. it was either. <laughs> yeah, there were there were two other cards in that hand. Neither of them were interaction. Neither of them were ramp. They didn't matter. Um, yeah. Oh, I think it was like an Elves of Deep Shadow and something else. Okay. Yeah, I think I I think the choice was I could either keep an Elves of Deep Shadow or it was like an Elves of Deep Shadow or not a brainstorm, but. Yeah, it was just like something. Else. It was like an Esper Sentinel or something. And I was just okay. like, yeah, if well, I draw a green source, like I'm just playing the elves on turn one anyway. And if I'm not and I don't draw the green source, the other cards didn't matter anyway. Right. So it's like I'm going to keep it in the case that I do find a green source. If I don't, whatever. Um, yeah. So the plan uh, with that hand was just that I was playing against two decks that wanted to draw a lot of cards and wanted to play the mid range game once Fukens was stopped. And the idea of being able to imp seal for turn one on for Mana Crypt and then hold up Notion Thief on turn two was just like good enough in my eyes like especially yeah. if you end up drawing like if i draw a white source after that then like you get timna down if i draw a green source he can thrasios and then there's enough mana to activate thrasios a bunch and then you have a notion thief in play so it's like yeah this this will be fine and that got wheeled and then i was like i though thank god we're getting rid of that hand but like yeah. i am not happy about potentially what, what's coming next <laughs> what was going through your head when you saw fukins just slam all of that down like how how awful what like what terrible thoughts were going through your head oh yeah so i saw the mox amber and i was like this isn't great and then i saw the i saw the crypt and i was like oh we're dead dead like we're, <laughs> we're like we're like immediately dead cool yeah that's fine because uh, i i thought it was like i thought it was gonna be like uh like land rog member and then um like maybe set up with like a gamble or like like play it like a ragavan or something right and i was just like okay we have like there's like not a whole lot of cards left in hand, not a whole lot of gas. We're probably just like building up mana for another turn and then going for it on turn two, probably without protection. And then he wheeled and I was like, yeah, that's all out the window. He has like full <laughs> hand plus all the mana required and like all bets off. We're at, like, there's <laughs> completely at completely at the uh, at the mercy of whatever he draws off the top, um, which thankfully ended up being not a turn one win. Um, he didn't yeah. actually have anything to do after that, uh, which was good. You always um, breathe think, a sigh of relief when the, the turbo Nas player like, wheels pass, on turn yeah. one and then it's like, all right, pass. And you're like, oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I felt much better about that, too, considering that like my the main gas in my hand after the wheel was a fish. And I was like, oh, thank God he's not casting anything else because that makes this fish much better. Um, yeah, because so. Yeah. It, speaking of that, you did talk about this again on the post game show and we're going to revisit yeah. it again. Uh, you got wheeled into a really stupid seven. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I, I, there, there were there were real risks with it. Like yeah. in the moment, it didn't feel fantastic, uh, but it ended up being just like the exact thing that I needed to win that game. Um, right. It was what was it? it was like two lands. One of them was Tundra. Probably. I think it was like Tundra Fetchland, and then like Tundra Fetchland, Mox Diamond, uh, Mystic Remora. 
Oracle tainted pact granite ball sure <laughs> and I was just like okay yeah, yeah that's fine. Here. All right, this 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 will work so uh, basically like what i was thinking in the moment was well i really have to hope that this fish is good and we don't die and i draw cards from it and that all happened right <laughs> so i was yeah like i i needed to find two mana sources basically um yeah. to be able to win the game um and in the course of the fish draws that happened off of fukin's going for the dawes on turn two because you have to. I mean, you just you wheel people into hands that theoretically they didn't keep. So potentially just don't have anything good in them. Um, right. So he went for it. And that uh, counter war, I think I ended up with like three draws off of the fish, um, which drew me into both mana sources and a fierce guardianship. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about this. Yeah. Um, well, and, you, and you, then, yeah, you definitely <laughs> after you pass the turn there on uh, that turn one, um, you had you know cicada played very conservatively just land under uc pass yeah uh, I, i'm not even sure that was conservative i'm pretty sure he just like didn't actually even have anything yeah um, yeah it's just that was just what happens with blind wheels on turn right. one um you just typically on average half the table gets screwed half the table actually gets to continue playing magic um i was actually i was actually very surprised at the number of game actions that the entire table took after that wheel because there was like a very real chance that somebody woke up with no lands in their opener yeah. after that or just all lands right like there was there were very real chances for people to just have like literally nothing going on and it seemed like everybody at least had something although i think Sekira didn't actually cast anything aside from a felwar stone for the rest of that game yeah he cast the felwar stone and then i believe it was james who had the force he and, had the force uh, yeah did he also have a swan song or uh was it just the no he had a, just malevolent hermit there were a lot of games played yesterday uh <laughs> yeah so um so that turn cycle goes around fukins uh plays uh you know kind of goes for that turn to Nas. as as uh, you're sort of obligated to i mean it's not right. like the chances aren't getting better if you don't right. go for that Nas then right um so went for it unfortunately got stopped well, fortunately for me, unfortunately for Fukin's got stopped, right. um, especially after casting the right of flame in order to actually get to the Nas with the mana floating was definitely rough, just considering it feeds me the extra card there. Um, but yeah, gets forced and then plays a goblin welder. And there was actually we'll talk about that one later because that. Yeah, that's a source of an almost heart attack from me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the next turn cycle. Um, yeah. So uh, we get back to you. You keep the fish back around. Um and you play a grand abolisher and yeah the, the table uh audibly was not happy uh <laughs> yeah it was actually there was actually an interesting decision point too because there was there were a couple of lines there um in terms of like so you always keep the fish around but there are like weird options there in terms of i have a fierce in hand right so mm -hmm like the the question is like okay do i think anybody has a gilded drake for the grand abolisher um if no i should probably play the grand abolisher but also do i think we're likely to die in the next turn cycle or like is is there likely to be something that i can't deal with next turn cycle cast in which case i probably want to hold up the fierce by casting the thrasios um and then also like what's the likelihood of people actually responding to the grand ball sure with stuff even if it's not a gilded drake right like how right. how likely is this to draw removal away from um like the malevolent hermit and then also we know that james has has a mnemonic betrayal in hand um and right. like uh has the land drop to cast it next turn and we, we've got turn one wield there's like two notion thieves and add two two notion thieves two ad nauses and multiple pieces of acceleration in the graveyard from this yeah. so it's like well, yeah, there's a, oh there was only one ad nausea ad nauz got exiled because it was a force and egg uh was that i thought it was a force well uh whatever yeah anyway, it was a force there's, and egg. there's there there is an ad nauz in a bin with mana acceleration yeah. and like an imperial seal and two notion thieves and a wheel like there's right. there's enough to make stuff happen if squirrel gets around to be able to resolve a mnemonic betrayal with enough mana. Right. um so the yeah the the evaluation there was really like am i going to need this fierce for the next turn cycle or do i think that i'm fine without it um and then uh the like the parallel um decision point is is there a gilded drake um, right 
Nimrus didn't seem like it was doing much and and like a, a new wheel hand. I didn't think it was likely that um, Sakara would have had access to like a vamp. I think we like I, I think we or sorry, it would have had to have been like exactly vamp um, or rock gilded drake in hand unless it was right. like mana acceleration. But I know that he doesn't play dark red. Um, so it was like, does he have the vamp for the gilded drake or does he have the rock gilded drake? Because not a lot else here does it. Um, especially with what he was representing by just playing underground sea pass. Right. Um, and squirrel mob just pitched a Neil Forb to the force of negation. So I was just like, okay, well that narrows the <laughs> range of things that could turn into a Gilded Drake on his side. So right. yeah, the seeds were all fine. And then Frukins had just like gone for the ad nod stuff. And I, he had like two cards in hand. My assumption was there wasn't much there left over. Right. Um, so I ended up going for the grand abolisher. So they get around the table, uh, Squirrel Mob drops down the uh, what the hermit? Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, what's it uh, he cast malevolent hermit. hermit? He'd cast the hermit last turn cycle, I think. Yeah. Well, you were ahead of um, him in turn cycle, right? Because that was, was your turn he, two he cast, was Grand Abolisher. Oh, that's yes, right. His, you're right. You're his, right. His, yeah. Um, I think he had a, he had a gemstone mine one. or gemstone yes, cavern. Yeah, gemstone on, caverns. Uh, yeah. So he, had a, he had a turn one malevolent hermit, uh, and then he played a guy's cradle. Which I was sort of sketched out about because there are theoretically combinations of things that turn that into mnemonic betrayal plus one. Um, Fortunately, there wasn't. Uh, Squirrel ended up casting Thrasios in passing, and I was weighed off of my shoulders because the the two possible ways we lose the game from the position of me casting Granibalsher in passing are Sakura has absolutely nothing. Squirrel Mob has the mana acceleration into uh, mnemonic betrayal and we die, or Fukins has backup or like has like an additional win attempt the next turn. Has right. like rips in a tomb off the top, has the welder in play, welders a, a citadel up, and then we die to that. Um, right. So as soon as Squirrel passed the turn, especially with the mana up, Sakura also had a mana up. I was like, okay, that's one bullet dodge. That's like the big, big bullet dodge. Now we just have to survive through Sakura's turn. Um, which was a bit of a heart attack because there was an Aetherflux Reservoir in his bin with a welder in play. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and so it's like, okay, yeah, now the, now the game is, can Fukins get up to 51 life on his turn using Aetherflux right. Reservoir to kill me? <laughs> well, and you saw him, he like, uh, weldered something, weldered his mana crypt away, played, I forget what it was he played. Um, it was, it was a welder, uh, floats a mana, welder the crypt into the Aetherflux Reservoir and right. cast Ikra. That's um, right. Uh, I think there was something before that, but it was like was looting or something. No, I think there was something else. Anyway, I, yeah. I think it was just Ikra. My my joking at the time was, "Oh my god, I'm going to die to Ikra beats." And <laughs> this is going to be ultimate karma, considering all the hours that I've spent shitting on Ikra as a card. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, like certainly, if that game had gone on for like even like another turn cycle, there's a very real chance that I would have just died to a manual uh, Aetherflux Reservoir activation. Um, yeah, but dodged it for Fukins's turn, thankfully enough. Um, yeah, yeah, didn't get anything else cast on there. I think Fukins got up to like, I think it was like 41 life or 42 life. So I did like, like I think it was like three spells away um, from being able to get up to above 50. So definitely happy to see the Ikra cast there. <laughs> right. Well, so that that led into your game winning turn where you were just like, well. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> to cast Oracle Consult. I have a grand ball. Sure. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Not losing to anything here. There's uh, no outs for the table, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I think I was asked after the game if I was worried about Odawara, and I'm pretty sure there were zero outs to actually being able to channel an Odawara there. Um, I don't think anybody had both, the mana to do. Yeah, both, both of the blue players only had like a single blue mana up and James only had Thrasio, so it still cost three. So like you would need to you need to like dark ritual into somehow filter it. And there's just I, I, I don't think there's an extant way in either of those decks to turn one blue mana into three for James's case or four for Sakara's case. Right. Yeah. And then you got the championship. So yeah. uh, with in. with that being said, uh, you know, hopefully uh, when you look forward to next season yep. and uh, you will be drafting at the back of the table again. I will be. Yep. Uh, but the the thing that's nice, I need to put together if, the jank draft. It's going to be great. I have no, yeah. uh, 
I have no expectations anymore because I just always have to pick the worst decks. So I get to pick all the meme decks and then still get an unreasonable number of wins because people don't respect meme decks. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny because I remember going into the draft, I, like Ian was like contemplating contemplating taking Magda and I was just like, don't yeah. take Magda, don't take Magda. It's going <laughs> to, you have... It is going to be disastrously bad for you. (laughs) Just the funny thing about the Magda pick to me wasn't actually the Magda pick because I think like I think the Magda pick is actually like honestly sort of fine. Um, I don't really think that I like I I didn't have a huge issue with the Magda pick. Like maybe maybe the round two Magda pick was a bit iffy, but um, I still think it was fine. It was just Ian's insistence on playing it into the coalition pods yeah that's what the, I was gonna say. the north coalition pods where i'm just like this is like this it's is the, the worst place this, this is the pod where you absolutely know nobody at this table is going to let you do magnet things for free right <laughs> like we we all we all very well understand what the interaction points here are and that we well, like and that we can't interact with much of what you're doing so we're just gonna stop you early in the easy way right like we're, well, we're not gonna let you get up to five treasures and then try to interact <laughs> with you we're just gonna kill magda until it costs I, 10 I think mana. at one point uh <laughs> during one of your games when he played magda magda costs like 10 i think at yeah. some point yeah uh i mean the first game that he played with it he like attacked into morgan i was just like great give you a forbidden orchard token and then he blocked and killed the magda he's like why would you do that i'm just like this is the one way that i have to interact with magda if you're gonna give you a way to kill it for free i'm just gonna kill it for one minute <laughs> like, right <laughs> yeah it, it it was one of those things where i i felt like magda maybe in some of the cross conference games, I felt like you might've had an opportunity oh, yeah, for I, it I, to do really well there. I think, I think it would have been a fantastic pick into like rule of law pods and to like pods where people aren't trying to like win the game super early and you have time to actually grind it out. And like maybe, maybe people aren't playing enough removal because people never play enough removal. So you're just like, yeah, just like, Get some Magda wins in because to to Ian's credit, we are kind of nitpicking because he also barely missed the playoffs. So like (laughs) like, still still was very barely there. But yeah, like I I think the pick was actually very sound. I think the choosing to play it in pods where people were guaranteed to not let it do its thing was like (laughs) the iffy one. So I'm gonna ask you just to kind of wrap things up. Um obviously biggest accomplishment for the season winning the whole thing oh, yeah. uh but uh what is your uh like biggest if you look back what is it something you would have changed about this season if you could would have changed uh probably like would have done taken differently a, yeah probably would have taken arami over grenzo um okay. as much as i love grenzo i think uh I think I, I think I would have liked a blue turbo deck uh, a bit more or something with like a bit more play in longer games. Um, I I respect like there's a reason I picked Grenzo and I played it, um, which is that I I respect the power that or that fast decks have even like low color fast decks have in good table position. Um, but I would have preferred to have a deck that wasn't so just like absolutely reliant on mulligans to actually do anything. Um, I, I still prefer in my turbo decks or in like my faster decks to still have like some semblance of a um, like reasonable mid range game plan. Even if it, even if you're not like going to the late game and you don't have right. playing late game, at least like being able to like do a Rami stuff with like fate stitcher and things um, or not spade, uh, like stitcher supplier rather. Um, and just do stuff like that. Like I, I think I would have probably preferred that, but yeah, Morgan snapped it up. So I had to stick with Grenzo. Got to win. Yeah. Wait, did I actually wait? Did uh, I get a win let me look. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think I think I went uh, on that Grenzo one. Grenzo was zero and three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that checks out. Oh, actually, uh, no, sorry, sorry. My, the change that I would make was not playing Grenzo the third time. Uh, I don't know why I did that. Um, I think I, I I think I just wasn't counting the number of games that I played with each deck, and I was like, yeah, I, I think I need another game with Grenzo. And then I played it, and I was like, oh, I played three games with Grenzo. That was not intended. Definitely should have spent another one on the three color on the four color decks. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, what was your biggest surprise of the season? overall something you like what was the biggest thing that you were not expecting to see or uh happen um i think hmm i think they're probably i mean there are always surprises in the draft uh that always happens but it's just you know people have different evaluations and Mm -hmm. also like just different expertises with decks so you can never like fully predict the draft um 
I think probably I was actually mostly surprised by just uh, the way that like blue pod can actually get wins in those situations. I mean, like I, I understand the theory behind how blue pod forces wins through, which is that like, yeah, like a lot of decks just don't have answers to an onboard. Like if you stick a Vanifar, a lot of people just like can't deal with a Vanifar right. permanently before you get to chain it up to a win or whatever. Or like in the low resource games where like you have a bunch of stacks out and then people like invest resources into trying to free themselves from under it or do other stuff and they get stopped like, you're just in a position where nobody has resources anymore to do any of the stuff. But typically like I, I play games in decks that don't, um, that don't removal check with its, uh, with its interaction suite um, before casting like the Vanifar or Yasan or birthing bod, or it's like insert thing that you need to stick for a turn cycle to win the game here. Um, Which means that I guess like, my my evaluation was a bit off on those going in because I was like I'm I'm always on the on, under the assumption that people are like yeah just you just kill the Vanifar as soon as you see it like just easy done and then like they just never work whereas like I wasn't I didn't fully factor in before playing in those games like right playing the deafening silence on turn one makes people at the table need to spend removal on the deafening silence. And then they don't have the removal <laughs> for the thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how that works. Instead of playing like a Thrasius and a Timno, which specifically like make people not want to spend removal on them because they're low value targets. Like when you play stuff that is high value targets, but don't actually care about like you don't care about going away in terms of winning the game. Yeah. You just get to free up removal for the thing that actually does win you. The See, game. that's what's been really surprising me with uh, playing Najila for the Rector pod stuff. Yeah. Uh, is that Najila just is such a solid win con on its own and it draws so much attention and then you just can be like, okay, uh I, I got this stuff. Here's an director. Uh yeah. they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's I, I and I think it's probably a symptom of just playing too much uh too much thrust him over the years. Just I have the counter magic incremental value brain rot in terms of like <laughs> we also play like on Sundays in the most responsible pod imaginable. Oh, you know, okay, so you you have you have no idea because like we we play meme decks in those pods sometimes and like it is still very responsible. But yeah. in my home meta in terms of like playing in the QMTG meta with like me, Morgan, uh Zach Keegan. The, the like the level of responsibility in those pods is unreal like every single time no matter what like you can bring a meme deck and the immediate response from the rest of the table is yeah we're gonna fully respect it and you're never gonna go off the ground because I don't know what I don't I don't I don't know what your jank two color four CMC commander does but I'm gonna remove it on site because you built the deck for a reason so it's just so yeah so like I was playing I like I put I, I put together like two days ago I put together a jet mirror because I I just wanted to limit test with uh, I, I personally think I'm not going to get into the whole thing. I personally yeah, yeah. think Jetmere is like is by far the best combat steroid ever printed in the command zone. So okay. I was like, OK, if this doesn't work with Wincon, let's like just try to beat people to death. I like this is my litmus test of like if, if I can't like if I'm playing this deck and it's not working. I don't think any Wincon stuff actually works. Right. Um, but I just I, I just wanted to play a few games with it. The first game that I played uh, on it, Morgan was in the pod and it was. <laughs> Uh, it was like double Rafid and some other like two two Rafid decks and another like good blue oh deck. Gosh. I forgot what the other bl- good blue deck was. And Morgan's like, yeah, I think Jetmere is probably the most existential threat to my existence in this game. So I'm going to immediately start attacking you with a Rafid and then also <laughs> remove your Jetmere the first time you counter it. And I was just like, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, that about checks out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I thought I'd be able to like, you know, just like stick a jet mirror for a few turns. Nothing I'm actually doing is too threatening. And then people are just going to die. And it's just like, nope, no, nope, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I have to remind myself that too. And I'm like playtesting decks as I'm like, I can't take too much from the like team turn three streams. Cause I'm like, we all <laughs> yeah. just are so careful. <laughs> and uh, it, it's made me better too, though, it, playing with you guys, because then I'll walk in my local meta and I'll just be like, <laughs> yeah, <it's> just- <laughs> You just what do you mean you don't have removal for my my card? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I didn't think I was gonna get this far. <laughs> I, I think I think it's also just having like just 
people people just need to have more respect for everything right yeah <laughs> you just as if you respect if you play mid-range decks and you respect everything like you just have pretty good chances no matter what <laughs> yeah i i will i will always sit in uh there, there's a guy in our local meta and you can uh nobody at our table knew what orvar did he was bringing orvar in but yeah. because i played against morgan so many times on that yeah. deck at this point i was just like the the entire game just like we need to remove that we need to deal with that that is a problem and <laughs> he's like no no it's just like it's not doing it no, look fine. i'm playing like draft chaff and i was like i know what that deck does you yeah. can't pull this over on me yes we need to deal yes. with that sapphire medallion and boomerang rather both draft chaff no together they're not draft chaff and there's no harm in play <laughs> you don't get to have nice things <laughs> oh man well it's always a pleasure talking to you uh always have a great time anytime hanging out and chatting and uh for when you are not here which is most of the time uh, (laughs) where can people find you um uh if you want to follow me on twitter uh i'll i'll repeat the spiel because uh (laughs) i think i have like uh, at, at the sick robot on twitter uh, I think I have like almost 500 followers, which is nice because I think I've tweeted about three times, um, which is you reply I that, to I'm, stuff sometimes. Yeah, but I don't I don't tweet. I think if you scroll through my uh, if you scroll through my Twitter feed, it's all retweets of Into the North or other stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get that ratio of least effort to most followers up. So if you want to contribute <laughs> to that cause. Uh, please do. Also, I have all notifications turned off, so you have to DM me or else I won't get your notification because I hate Twitter. Um, but <laughs> that was uh, a very good life choice, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Um, if you uh, want to find me anywhere else, I'm sometimes here. Yeah. Here. Um, I'm sometimes on Team Turn 3 Sundays, uh, and I'm always, almost always on uh, Into the North, uh, the podcast. You can find it basically anywhere that you find your podcast. We do it every two weeks. It's pretty cool. Also, we have some pretty awesome stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, I know you showed me some of it. It yes, looks so cool. Isn't, isn't directly related to our podcast, but is other uh, content. So you should go. Ch- well, don't check it out yet because it, it doesn't exist yet. But keep an eye <laughs> out for it because. It's coming down the pipe and it's going to be out relatively soon, I think. Go subscribe to Into the North. I remember when we uh, when I first started working with you in Morgan, uh, like the TMS channel just like soared past a thousand. Yeah. And you guys were like <laughs> sitting at 750. And I was like, why the fuck are you guys there? You've been around forever. And so I was like <laughs> actively trying mm. to get you guys more subscribers for like yeah. six months. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by by monthly podcast that with no video content isn't great for SEO. Yeah, <laughs> it's just every two weeks you just dump a two hour content thing and then just like wait another two weeks until doing it. Not great for uh, visibility, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we're we're in it for the good content, not in it for the uh, subscriber. Yeah. So you should go subscribe if you enjoy in depth CDH content. We we tend to make a lot of content for the entrenched CDH players. So if yeah. you're down with that, I mean, if you like um, our pod, if you like out. TMS, you'll like into the North. That's yep. pretty much how I feel about it. Um, so yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on. Congratulations and uh, good lucks next year. And uh, hopefully you could repeat this at uh punt city and Oktoberfest. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll make the attempts. Uh, we'll try to head out there. We, we might be doing another travel, but we'll see. Th- those are the two locked ones. Certainly going to punt city. So Anybody's yeah. going to Punt City in uh, two weeks, three weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Um, yeah. You should go check out there. Uh, me, Morgan and Lyndon are all going to be uh, down there. So come say hi if you're going and then can't make it out there. Um, Oktoberfest also, I believe that actually Oktoberfest might be all four members of the podcast. Nice. Is, that's a rare Matt sighting if Matt comes down. So I was going to say I was like, yeah. Matt doesn't do much. Yeah. And Lind- like Linden was supposed to go to Marchessa, but yes. didn't he like uh get COVID? He unfortunately got COVID. Um yeah. couldn't couldn't make it down, but is fortunately has a flight voucher that he is going to use with it this year for probably nice. an event. So we'll we'll see about that one. Well, that about wraps things up for us here this week. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode and listening to the podcast. 
If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to rate us on whatever podcast platform you are on. And if you are listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and tell me down in the comments what your favorite part of the show was. Also want to give a extra shout out and thanks to our top tier patrons, Justin, Adam Hamden, David Snavely, Diane Chase, Jason Bialik, Matt Boehner, and Senior Coupon. If you too would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash line sculptors or check out the link in the description. Thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan and we'll see you next time. <laughs>